well, welcome to Meal Mentor Live. This is our first episode with our interviewee, Natasha. Natasha has been a Meal Mentor member uh, since at least 2015. Um, there, unless she had like another account that I don't know about. Um, no. And uh, so the, the kind of this is like I said, this is the first run at this. Um, we've got a handful of questions that we're gonna uh, that I've kind of pre done myself and then we've got some community questions uh, we're going to try to keep this to probably no more than 15 minutes um, but uh, I'm going to just kind of get you started Natasha and uh, let you tell us a little bit about you know like you know if you want to just give your first name and where you're from and then how long you've been how, how you came to the plant-based diet and um, uh, you know like just kind of your little backstory. Well, my name's Natasha. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, uh, near Raleigh, and I currently live in Virginia. I definitely did not grow up in a plant-based household. Um, I will say, though, credit to primarily my mother and my grandmother, I guess probably growing up in the South, I was, you know, exposed to a lot of vegetables. Um, my grandmother had a garden when I was really young, and um, yeah, so I, I, I grew up, you know, eating lots of vegetables and wasn't afraid of trying vegetables, so that was a good thing, but um, certainly was not a plant-based household. Um, got some exposure to the plant-based world. One of my aunts, uh, I think she actually became a vegan like in the late 90s, um, so that, I remember thinking that that was kind of different and weird, but never really contemplated that it would be me that I would go down that path. Um, it was actually when I was in law school, I had a, um, a, a research and writing assignment that involved um, doing some research on PETA. And that's kind of how I got exposed to the idea of, at least it, it became more real for me. And um, then I made a decision. It was more of an ethical decision at that point. I became a vegan and, and then I, it wasn't a linear path for me. Um, at some point, I did go back and start eating, uh, like, eggs and dairy, and I don't know. And then several years later, I went back and, um, yeah, so started a plant-based journey. So how long ago was law school? I finished five years ago. Okay. Um, okay. But, I, yeah, I, I became a vegetarian almost eight years ago now. Okay. Uh, and then... I did that for a few years, and it was probably about towards the end of 2013, I started transitioning to a completely plant-based diet. Um, at that point, I started considering more of the health aspects of uh, the lifestyle and, and knew I needed to make some changes based on where I was, um, you know, with respect to my health and my weight. So um, do you remember, it do wasn't you an overnight switch for me. Do you, do, you, do you remember what it was that was kind of the catalyst that kind of got you interested in doing plant-based and, and focusing on health more? Um, I think for me, you know, I was kind of an overweight – well, I wasn't kind of. I actually was an overweight kid, generally was always like the biggest kid in my class, um, and had lost some weight when I was in high school, but it didn't like stick or anything. Um, so I knew – at least from a health perspective, I needed to lose weight. I mean, my health providers never really explicitly said anything, but it was pretty obvious. I mean, I was, I think, what would be considered morbidly obese at that point, um, well over 350 pounds. So, and I'm not 
you know, I'm like 5'10", so I'm a pretty tall person, but I'm not, you know, I don't think anyone should probably be that big. But anyway, um, I was nearing my 30s. I think I was maybe 28 or 29 at the time, and I just kind of figured I'd always heard people say, hey, you know, your metabolism slows down as you get older. You know, if you're going to make changes, you should make them when you're young. And so I don't know if it was kind of a quarter-life crisis, but, you know, I just started thinking, okay, Natasha, you need to probably start thinking about making changes sooner than later, um, maybe while you have your youth um, going for you. So, um, you know, at that point, I think maybe I had come across Susan Voison at um, Fat Free Vegan Kitchen Blog, and I don't know, I started trying some of her recipes, and then, I don't know, probably a Google search or something, I, I found Happy Herbivore, and um, it, it all kind of started from there. Great, great. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that I'm when you were, you know, if you can think back to when you were just getting started, um, like what were some things that you were struggling with and, and maybe, you know, what are you struggling with today, you know, versus then? When I was first starting, I would say, I mean, I don't think I really understood what like a whole food plant-based diet is. And so I think in the beginning, you know, I don't know that I would say I was struggling with it, but I was still, you know, having cooking with some oil, um, and at that point maybe knew that I shouldn't be doing it, but, you know, I didn't really see the importance of it. Um, and I think also a challenge for me at that point, it's been a while ago, so it's kind of hard to think back, but I, I think for me at that point it was hard to keep my diet interesting. I don't think I had a lot of variety. I was, you know, for the longest, I'd always been kind of an oatmeal girl for for breakfast, so that was not an issue for me. Um, but lunches and dinners were a little bit harder um, to keep interesting and to keep me kind of motivated to stick with the lifestyle. Um, I think Happy Herbivore has been a huge part of um, addressing that issue. Um, I would say now... Um, Thankfully, I don't have that issue. Um, and I think for me, at this point, I've kind of settled into the diet, and it really is just kind of like my new normal. Um, I would say for me now, my challenges probably more so lie in um, not like overeating on certain foods. And, and they're not necessarily um, unhealthful foods, but... Um, recognizing that I can't just eat a pound of, um, I don't know, asparagus every night or. So what, what are some things that you, that, that make you want to eat, just continue eating? Yeah, I don't know. Like for example, last summer, I, I'm a really big fruit eater. I love fruit, especially summer fruit. Um, and last summer I went like kind of wild eating fruit. I mean, I was eating like bowls and bowls of fruit after dinner at night. And, you know, I probably gained five to 10 pounds last year. And mm -hmm. I attribute that a lot in large part to the overeating that I was doing after dinner. You know, and I wasn't eating, you know, I was eating bananas and cherries and, you know, uh, blueberries and things like that, which are all very health promoting foods. But um, I was eating them in excess of 
my calorie needs. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really um, a weakness or a vulnerability of mine and something I have to keep uh, in check because otherwise I can really, you know, get in trouble, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's interesting because it totally mirrors a lot of the stuff that some of the stuff Lindsay has talked about herself with, you know, that, um, you know, like even you can it doesn't matter what you're eating. If you if you if you overdo lettuce, if you overdo potatoes, you know, fruit in your case, you know, it it, it can it just adds up and, and kind of gets yeah. you over over uh, over your calorie needs. So um so were you cooking whenever you were bef- much before you came to the plant-based diet or? Uh, <laughs> um, I sporadically, I mean, generally for lunch, I would take like sandwiches. So that was, you know, pretty mm-hmm. low cooking requirement. Um, and breakfast a lot of time I would eat cereal. Um, but yeah, for dinner, I, I would say maybe at least 50% of the time I was cooking. Okay. Um, and they weren't extravagant meals, but they were home-cooked meals. Um, before Millmunter, while I was plant-based, yes, I was cooking. Um, I did a lot of pasta for dinner and um, soups and that sort of thing. Um, so I think I was accustomed to spending some time in the kitchen, so cooking wasn't completely new to me. Yeah. Um but I definitely, at this point, I pretty much cook all of my meals, and I love it. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, it's one of the, f- um, and I and I want to I, I want to dig more into this, but it's one of the things that I think um, is possibly uh, one of the things that makes transitioning difficult is a lot of people aren't cooking or they're not cooking very often, and um, and so when you ha- when you transition to needing to cook more often, I think it it. it creates this big burden because it's now it's this big mountain to climb where you you don't you don't have maybe the right the the right kitchen utensils you know like knives and cutting boards right you don't have the right pantry stuff you don't have the right um you know just normal staples and you just don't have you're just not comfortable because i i even i don't cook that often you know i'm cooking maybe twice a week but like I find that if I if I go like several weeks or something without cooking, I'm even uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, where is things? And Lindsay has a very very organized kitchen, and that's another aspect. If your kitchen's not organized, it makes it very stressful to try to find things. Oh. And, and so oh. I think a lot of a lot of the trick with this stuff is that people just come to this. They're trying to do something, but like there's all these layers of things that just makes it more difficult. And so we're trying to get better at identifying those things and then helping people overcome those. Totally. Totally. So and I, I think, go ahead. I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, especially if someone, as someone transitions, it can be overwhelming to figure out what they need to do in the kitchen, what they need um, as far as food ingredients and as far as um, the tools and utensils and that, all that sort of thing. I, I would say for me, it, it was not something that happened overnight. And I think people probably should give themselves some grace and be patient with themselves. Um, you know, it took probably years for me to accumulate, you know, the pots and pans that I have, um, the silverware, um, all the spices. Um, I didn't buy spices, you know, like I probably have, I don't know, 30 to 40 spices now. I didn't buy all of those overnight. 
Um, and all, and quite frankly, all those aren't needed. I'm just kind of crazy in that way. Um, and, you know, when I first started, I wouldn't have known what to do with all those spices. I mean, I would say it probably would be helpful for someone to get like a core, as far as spices, for example, like, like core spices. And a lot of people probably already have, you know, things like garlic powder, onion powder, um, basil, oregano in their, in their pantries. Probably a lot of omnivore families have those spices. Um, I would say for me, one of my favorites is smoked paprika. And I oh, think yeah. don't even bother with like the regular paprika. If you have the smoke, <laughs> you know, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say also for people, it might be helpful in the beginning to just identify maybe just like a couple recipes um, that they think they might like or that, you know, they try and they realize they like and to incorporate those on a weekly basis. Um, I think generally most people, most families probably have a handful, a dozen or so recipes that they just cycle. Um, most people eat the same sorts of things over and over and over. Um, and I think that's fine. You don't necessarily need a ton of variety in your diet. So I think if people just kind of identify a few as they go along and they accumulate more as time passes, I think that's, uh, that's helpful. Um, and then also think about the sorts of things that you enjoyed when you were an omnivore and think about how to adapt those. Um, yeah. That's great. To make them more plant-based. Yeah. Would you say your kitchen is more uh, – do you do you put more effort into organizing your kitchen at all? Um, recently, I did do a revamp of my, my spices. So I do have, like, a designated spice drawer, um, and I have them in alphabetical order and – and all that sort of thing. Um, That's I, awesome. Yeah. So I, I actually took that tip from someone else in the the VIP group. So that's been really helpful. I just kind of pull all the spices that I might need when I'm about to cook. And, you know, I keep those out. And then I just put everything back in the drawer once I'm done cooking. Um, so I find that's really helpful. Um, as far as pots and pans, my space is sort of limited. So it's kind of hard to get too disorganized. Um, obviously I have a place designated for plates and that sort of thing and all of my, um, spoons and utensils and that sort of thing. So I, I was going to go ahead and get into some of the, the, the VIP group, uh, questions. Uh, so Kristen Walker wanted to know how you were staying motivated. Um, I would say it's probably different now than it was when I was transitioning in the beginning. I would say in the beginning, um, I was motivated by like the results that I was seeing, you know, like, as I said, I was someone who was over 350 pounds. And at that point it was difficult for me, for example, to walk briskly for more than like a block. Um, and you know, so for me to see the weight come off, gradually and in the beginning it was probably it's pretty quick um you know to see that and to see you know measurable change and increase in my ability to walk and to walk without pain I used to have um bad knee pain um and I think one day I just woke up and it was like I realized I didn't have knee pain anymore 
so that was huge for me. So um, I think that's what kept me motivated in the beginning. Um, at this point, after, you know, several years in, I think one thing I'll give a plug to the VIP group. I think the VIP group is really helpful and supportive and uh, welcoming environment. I think seeing other people's journeys um, and successes, I think that uh, solidifies for me my commitment to this lifestyle. But also, quite frankly, I love the food um, and I love the results I've seen in my life. So I guess it's kind of connected to the, the beginning, but it's a little different now. I, I just I can't see I can't even envision doing anything differently um, at this point. I just I know how I feel eating this way and living this way and. I just, I, I don't want to go back. That's that's great. That's great. And and I because you have this in your your Instagram profile, um, it, it I think it the way it reads is you're down 190 pounds. Is that right? At this point, it's like 200. Yeah. That's that's in, that's <laughs> from incredible. when I first started. That's incredible. Yeah. Well done. I, I mean, that's just amazing. You know, that's so great yeah. to hear. So, um, I. So let's go. Let's go on to the next question. So, um, you know, I, I think this is something that probably a lot of people struggle with, and it's uh, so. Tina asked about um, how do you deal with uh, relationships of people and that are supportive or not supportive, or maybe teasing and that kind of thing. Um. So I do live alone. So I think you know I sympathize with people who have families, um, and particularly spouses who may or may not be supportive. Um, so for me, I would say it's a lot easier um, to do to live this way because I do live alone. And so as long as I keep my environment um, compliant and, you know, healthy or whatever, it's pretty easy um, to maintain this. Um, I will say I do have family members. So I have I think I want to say I have three or four other family members who actually um do meal mentors. So, um, you know, as far as, and they started after I did, as far as, you know, family gatherings and stuff like that, I always know there's going to be food that I can eat. Um, and even a lot of my omnivore family members are really, um, open to trying new and different things and eating plant-based. So that's really been a huge, huge, um, blessing. Well, yeah, Um, it's it's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, sorry, I would just say for people who may have spouses who are not the most or not just spouses or significant others, just any, yeah, anybody in their (laughs) lives that may not be the most supportive. I would just, I mean, my one tip is you can't change anyone else. Um, And I don't think you should necessarily try. Um, I would say, enjoy your life. um, Enjoy what you're doing and be warm and open to other people if they genuinely are asking questions. Like I have a lot of coworkers who kind of pick on me about the way I eat and that sort of thing. But, you know, you can tell if someone's like genuinely inquiring and, you know, they really want information. Um, but I generally don't offer information unless it's solicited. Um, but cool. yeah, I, I would yes. defer to the other people in the group who have, uh, <laughs> Spouses and significant others that you know, people they live with that may not be the most supportive. 
So, um, I, so Amy uh, Michelle uh, asked if you had a photographic memory because you seem to remember every recipe. <laughs> oh, I think I, you know, I think I had a better photographic memory when I was younger, but um, it, it works yeah. pretty good regardless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the uh, another question. This is kind of a softball. Do you? Do you uh, do you have a favorite fruit or vegetable that, uh, you know, just random salsa? Oh, my goodness. Questions. I love them all. Um, as far as vegetables, probably broccoli or um, asparagus. Okay. Uh, fruit, probably cherries and grapes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Oh, yeah, I love some cherries, man. This is the time of year, yeah. too, with cherries. Yeah. So, yeah. I love the time of year for that, yeah. Um. So, uh, Christine uh, asked, uh, so you say you travel for work. Um, how do you stay on track when you're, when you're traveling? Um, thankfully for work, generally I'm only doing day trips. Um, I think I've only done a couple overnight trips, and they're all, um, like, I don't, I don't fly. You know, I'm always in a car. So it's a lot easier to plan ahead, and I have a lot more control over you know, the food that I take with me. So generally, if I'm going to spend the night somewhere, um, most hotels have refrigerators or microwaves. Um, so generally, I'll take like a little cooler with me, um, at least so I can make breakfast in the hotel room. Um, and generally, I'll have a dinner prepared for the, the first night. And um, depending on what type of event I'm going to, generally, there'll be something that I can eat there. Um, but as far as just like day trips, like if I'm going, like recently I've had to go to Northern Virginia up near D.C. Um, during the day for work. I just take my lunch with me and pack it in a, a chill lunch box, and that's usually sufficient. Cool. It's worked out really well. Um, but there's always, for example, Wendy's on the road is a really good option. They have baked potatoes and salads. Um, Jason's Deli, if uh, one of those is around. There's there's always an option. Cool, um, cool. So yeah. because we got we, we had two different questions, um, one from Christina and one from Veronica. It basically asking if you if you tracked your 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 health journey or weight loss or you know did you do any of food journaling that kind of stuff. I'm just curious. Um, before Millmentor, I definitely kept like a food journal. Um, it wasn't, you know, I just literally would write down, it was something I kept on my computer. I would just write down like everything that I ate that day. And I don't know why I started that, um, but that is something I did. And I think I weighed myself maybe once a week back then. Um, as time progressed, like once I started Meal Mentor, I did stop doing the food journal. Um, and I, I think at some point I probably was weighing myself like daily. Um, I knew that the daily fluctuations, I mean, most people fluctuate daily. I knew I didn't put much weight in that. Um, but for some reason, I really liked the data. So I was weighing myself daily. I don't think it was necessarily helpful. I'm not one of those people, though, that it was detrimental to. I think for some people, it probably can be more harmful than good to weigh themselves daily. Um, at this point, for the last few months, I've been weighing myself monthly. So um, I I learned this from Dr. Doug Lyle. I'll just weigh myself like three or four consecutive days in a month. And then I'll weigh myself the next month around the same time frame and take an average 
of those um, two months and then compare those. I think it's a lot harder to see genuine um, fat loss or change within a shorter amount of time. So I don't know. I think it can be helpful to, especially with the food journal, if you're someone who's eating, who suspects they're overeating, I think it can be helpful to keep that just to, um, for the accountability, the self accountability. One of the interesting things about whenever I've done it, um, is that it becomes like this factor where I go, Oh, now I'm going to have a record that I ate this. And I'm like, right. do I really want to have a record that I ate this? And then I'm going to have to reflect on that. And it's interesting how that like self referential peer pressure, like can sometimes make you like, I, and I've not done an extensive amount of, I think I've not lasted more than like three days at a time and stuff like that. Yeah. I've done a bunch of different fasts and stuff like that. So they're like a totally different kind of random thing, but, uh, so, all right, let me, uh, let me, so we've re- gone through all the fan questions. So I kind of want to, um, you know, what would you tell or what would you do for somebody who's kind of just getting started? Like, what would you recommend, um, you know, where, how would they start? Like, I know you had mentioned something about like pick a couple of recipes and kind of start with that, but I'm kind of curious what your advice to somebody just getting started would be. I mean, this is kind of like, 20,000 foot overview. Um, but I would just tell them to be patient. Yeah. Um, this is not, you know, a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, nothing's going to change overnight. You don't want it to, um, you want to, um, go through the steps you need to go through. And those I think are different for everyone to discover, I think you discover who you are more um, and how to make this work for you. And I think you grow and develop during that process. I think people need to be more gracious to themselves, give themselves room to make mistakes, room to slip up. Um, You know, I never would have envisioned when I started almost five years ago that I would be where I am now. And I don't, you know, back then I didn't have the tools or the resources that I have now, but, you know, I think what I had then was the drive and the desire to make the next step. That's all you need to do. Just make the night, you know, the next step, the next best choice. That's Don't worry about, you know, I think some people get so bogged down in the details um, that then they, they just get overwhelmed and they stop. It's yeah. just do the next best thing, yeah. you know, and, and just be gracious with yourself. I mean, it that's going to get you there. And I think eventually things will snowball and then you'll wake up in a year and you'll find yourself in a completely different place. But, yeah, be patient with yourself. I think that's yeah. I think that's incredible advice. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think it's probably one of the best things you could you could tell anybody ever. It's just like just be patient. Realize that this is going to be measured in you know, your success is going to be measured months and years and decades, not, you know, right. days and weeks and hours right. and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. You know, if you if you always have that really long horizon that this is about, like, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life, I think it gives you a little different perspective. And it's like, okay, I made this mistake, but I'm going to keep, keep it. Right. At it so right. so um, I, I, to wrap up, I was going to say, what is kind of who's who who should who do you who from the community do you want to hear uh interviewed next i'd love to hear amy amy okay all yeah. right cool cool 
I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a, she's a great interview. I don't know if she's on the list or not because I've got Tyler managing that, but yeah, I think she, she'd be great. Um, she's been doing this for a long time and, and has a lot of smart things to say. Yeah. I look up to her. She's like, uh, yeah, she's the professional. You guys are kind of close. Have you guys ever met in person? We have not. We are kind of close. She's definitely in the Northern Virginia area. I'm not exactly sure, you know, how far you guys are apart, but yeah, very cool. Very cool. All right, Natasha. Well, thank you very much um, for uh, being the first interviewee on the uh, Meal Mentor uh, Live Happy Reward Meal Mentor Live Show. I am I'm basically just trying to get this thing launched and uh, try to encourage people to you know get out there, try the diet, download the free sample meal plan, sign up for Meal Mentor, see how it works. We have a 30 day refund. You know, we're, we're here to like help you on this journey. Um, you know, we're, you know, participation is the only way that you are able to be successful in these diets. And this is why we want interviews and real stories of of people like yourself, uh, sharing because, you know, people will watch this interview and they will connect with what you've had to say and it will help them kind of take that next step. So thank you very much. And, uh, Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Have a great uh, day. You guys. See ya.